I'm Dr. Joe Esposito, and welcome to our podcast for the health of it. Remember to subscribe to our podcasts, and I'll help you naturally get well and stay well. The information presented on this program is not intended to take the place of your personal physician's advice, and it is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Discuss this information with your own physician or healthcare provider to determine what is right for you. Are you suffering needlessly? Dr. Joe can give you advice on how to naturally get well and stay well. Dr. Joe Esposito. Today, we're going to continue a segment on the seven deadly sins of nutrition. Now, if you're new to the show, for years I've been preaching something called the seven deadly sins of nutrition. And what that is, is I tried to come up with a way to put nutrition in a real simple, easy to understand method. And years ago, I listed the foods that if you can reduce or eliminate these foods from your diet, you're going to do really well. And I came down with seven. I couldn't get it less than seven. I probably could do six, but anyway, I'm going to leave it at seven. So those seven foods are, same with me if you're a regular listener, alcohol, meat, sugar, dairy, coffee, soda, and artificial sweetener. Now, most of you, if you're a new listener, just said, well, Dr. Joe, uh, that's my whole diet. I can't give up alcohol, meat, sugar, dairy, coffee, soda, and artificial sweetener because there'll be absolutely nothing for me to eat. Well, that's not true. And that's what we've based an entire career on is teaching you that there are other foods aside from alcohol, meat, sugar, dairy, coffee, soda, and artificial sweetener. So today we're going to talk about coffee. So let's dive right into the reason why quitting coffee is a good idea. Now, Scott, our cameraman, before we went on the air, said, uh-oh, I'm in trouble today. I said, yeah, you are. So you know, a lot of you are going to be in trouble. Now, don't get mad at me. I'm going to tell you what you can do as an alternative. I'm going to tell you if you do drink coffee, what kind of coffee you want to drink. There is one type that's really good. And we're going to give you alternatives and the benefits of coffee as well. Coffee's not all bad. So is it good for us? Is it bad for us? There's so many conflicting reports that exist on both the benefits and the drawbacks of coffee. And needless to say, it's a confusing topic. Just like a lot of things in healthcare, it gets confusing. And people say to me, Dr. Joe, what should I do? I said, just do what I say. It's very simple. I've done the homework. I've done the research. I'm going to tell you what to do. So coffee is an amazingly potent collection of biologically active compounds. There's a lot going on in a cup of coffee. And like any other food substance, Coffee has far-reaching effects on the body, and it needs to be respected as a potent drug. In fact, it's probably the most uh, abused drug in the world. So the most widely uh, appreciated coffee uh, drug that's found in coffee is what? Caffeine. But caffeine only makes up about 1% or 2% of the bean. Uh, chlorogenic acids, uh, caffeols, uh, polyphenols, poly uh, phytoestrogens, uh, diterpenes, these are just the beginning of what's in coffee, and it's just starting to be researched on the effects on the human body, and something called glucose metabolism. We're going to talk about one study that said uh, coffee is really good for diabetics, and one that says coffee is really bad for diabetics. And this is why it's so confusing. I'm going to answer it for you. This is why it's a little tease. We call it in the business a tease. You've got to have to listen to find out. Now, in the 1980s, several studies were done to investigate the correlation between coffee and diabetes. All the research studies found that the more coffee people with normal blood sugar drank, you have to have normal blood sugar, the less risk appeared to developing type 2 diabetes. Several constituents in the coffee were thought to be responsible for this. What was it? Was it chlorogenic acid? That's found in coffee, and that might inhibit something called glucose 6-phosphatase, and that's an enzyme that regulates blood sugar metabolism, and that happens in the liver. Now, it could also be due to the indisputably high levels of antioxidants, something good about coffee. It's loaded with antioxidants. And that may have an effect on insulin sensitivity. So later on, this came out. News channels got all excited. They sounded the bell that coffee was protective and that we should all enjoy our cup of joe without any remorse. It's wonderful for us. 
until the next report came out. Some curious minds wanted to know exactly what was protected. Why was it? How was it protected? That's how I always think. Why is this working? So these studies show that people with type 2 diabetes, coffee intake was correlated with insulin spikes and increased blood sugar levels after a meal. So the first people didn't have diabetes, the second group did. Now we got a problem. Further research was shown that caffeine in coffee might be the culprit, and that might be what's responsible for the secretion of higher levels of insulin from the pancreas. So clearly higher insulin and glucose levels uh, do not work well, and they don't work well for the body, and that can lead to insulin resistance, also known as type 2 diabetes. So considering diabetes, that's a fun word years ago that came out. I remember doing a report when that word first came out. Diabetes is when you're diabetic and you're overweight, and that affects nearly 1.7 billion people worldwide, and it's growing. The number one medication people come to our offices for with is high blood pressure. The number two is somewhere between uh, insulin, insulin medications or cholesterol medications. So it's huge out there. And so how many people have blood sugar issues? Raise your hands. A ton of you do. So now the nightly news jumps up and sounds the alarm uh, that says perhaps coffee, uh, the coffee habit is detrimental. And now we're really con confused. Uh, it's an addiction that you need to curb. And I know it's confusing. So one says yes, one says no, one's with diabetes, one's with people with normal blood sugar. So it gets a little crazy. But let's talk about some reasons why you should quit coffee. And this is what I want to get to. Because uh, of the seven deadly sins, alcohol, meat, sugar, dairy, coffee, soda, and artificial sweetener, artificial sweetener is the worst. But most people take artificial sweetener. How do they get it in their body? Their coffee. Now, it could be in chewing gum, it could be in mints, it could be in yogurt. It's in over like 6,000 products, artificial sweeteners. But that's the worst of the worst. We're going to do a show on artificial sweeteners coming up. So hang on, hang on for that one. I don't want to go off on a tangent too much. But the good, the bad, and the ugly of coffee. The caffeine in coffee increases a chemical in your body called catecholamines. And these are your stress hormones. And the stress response elicit cortisol. You may have heard me talk about cortisol. It comes from the adrenal glands, and that's a stress hormone. And that increases the body to release insulin. The reason is when you're under stress, the body says, I got to get more sugar into the cells so the cells can create more energy so I can deal with the stress. So you're releasing cortisol. Cortisol releases insulin. Insulin causes the cells to open up and accept more sugar. And too much insulin increases inflammation. And this makes you feel lousy. So you drink a cup of coffee. And I'm going to talk about caffeine in a second. And so you get excited. And so you start feeling good. Then you start to crash. And now your blood sugar drops. And now your uh, cortisol is being released. And that causes you to lay down fat. And fat produces estrogen. Estrogen causes you to lay down fat. And then you start saying, I just feel awful. What made me feel good? Oh, I remember coffee. And so it's one of the reasons coffee is so addicting. Now, habitual, uh, uh, if you're drinking a lot of caffeine, it decreases insulin sensitivity, which means the cells are not responding to the insulin as well. So what do you do? You produce more insulin to try to force the cells to open up and let the sugar in. And that's not good. So your cells respond appropriately to blood sugar when the sugar's there. High blood sugar leads to arterial deterioration because sugar is a mild acid and it can irritate the artery walls. Not long ago, we did a show on cholesterol. If you go to our website, drjoe.com, and just type in the word cholesterol in the search bar, you can listen to that show and why cholesterol is so bad if it's oxidized. And if it's not oxidized, cholesterol isn't all that bad. But when you have irritation of the artery walls, the low-density lipoproteins can get in there, and then they can oxidize. They can essentially go bad, and that causes an inflammatory reaction, and that can increase the risk of mortality 
related to cardiovascular disease. I know it's a lot of chemistry today, but I want to get you to understand that it's not just, hey, I drank coffee and I felt good. Unfiltered. If you're drinking unfiltered coffee, that has the highest amount of beneficial antioxidant. So this is good. Yet it also leaks some, uh, some chemicals into your blood system and uh, di 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 diterpenes, it's called. And this can lead to higher levels of triglycerides, LDLs, and what's called VLDLs, very, very low density lipoproteins. So loaded with antioxidants, but the diterpenes or di 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 are being released and that can, get, uh, that can cause problems. So again, the good, the bad, and the ugly. The choler, uh, cholinergic acids may delay glucose absorption in the intestine, have also been shown to increase something called homocysteine levels. Now, if you've listened to my show before, and if you listen to me on, on, on cholesterol and hardening the arteries, it's not the cholesterol floating around in the blood vessels that's dangerous. It's the cholesterol that's stuck to the artery walls. And homocysteine can cause the cholesterol to stick to the artery walls. So if you increase your homocysteine levels, that's an indicator for the increased risk of cardiovascular disease, which tends to be elevated in diabetes. So here we go with blood sugar again. So it's really a mess, this coffee. It really does a lot of things because it has so many chemicals in it. The acidity in coffee is associated with things like digestive discomfort, indigestion, heartburn, gastroesophageal reflux disease, dysbiosis. There's a big word. What's dysbiosis? It can throw off the balance of the, of the, of the bacteria in your colon. It's called the gut flora. And if you put acid in your body, now the big acid foods all fall into the same category of the seven deadly sins, alcohol, meat, sugar, dairy, coffee, soda, and artificial sweetener. When you're putting these acids in your body, the body has to neutralize these acids. So the body uses chemicals, minerals, to neutralize the acids so the acids don't irritate or eat away at the body. And the body uses calcium as one of its primary neutralizing agents. So the more acid you put in your body, and coffee's really acidic. I mean, think about it. Coffee can stain your teeth. Nothing stains your teeth. But coffee can stain your teeth. That's how acid, acidic it is. And so now your body is giving up calcium to neutralize the acids. And that can lead to decreased bone density, which we call what? Osteopenia, which is the beginning phases, or osteoporosis. But you think about calcium and bones. You need calcium to buffer the blood. You need calcium to make nerves work. You need calcium to make muscles relax. Calcium is really, really important. And the more acid you put in your body, especially coffee, you're basically sucking the calcium out of the body. And the addiction to coffee is often an issue with coffee drinkers, and it makes it really difficult to rely on the body's natural source of energy. Now, the mitochondria in your cells generate energy through something called the Krebs cycle. If you ever went to biology way back in high school, you might have heard of Krebs cycle. You don't remember a word of it, but that's how the mitochondria produce energy. So if you're giving your body artificial stimulants like caffeine, and there's other stimulants in the coffee as well, your body is not going to produce the energy properly. So ask any coffee drinker how it feels to withdraw from coffee. And you will mistake their story for what sounds like a drug addict story. Coming off coffee is tough. So what happens with caffeine is this. You have a chemical being released in your brain called adenosine. So chemical is released in the brain. It gets absorbed in the brain, in another place of the brain, by something called the adenosine receptor site. So receptor site is where something gets absorbed. So the brain releases adenosine, adenosine gets absorbed in adenosine receptor sites, and it causes your body to relax. You get tired. One of the things that happens is caffeine looks like adenosine. 
So it blocks up your adenosine receptor sites so you don't absorb adenosine. So what happens, you don't get tired. And it irritates the nervous system. It's a stimulant as well. But in the brain, you're messing with mother nature here. So you're producing adenosine. Caffeine blocks up the receptor sites. You can't absorb the adenosine. You stay awake. Woohoo! I feel great. I drank caffeine. However, what happens is the body is smarter than you. So what the body does is it tries to produce more adenosine receptor sites so it can absorb more adenosine so you can get tired. And then you drink more coffee to block up the adenosine receptor sites. And that's why if you started with one cup of coffee, you might have went to two and four and six and eight, and it really is an issue. And I've had people that I know in my life that have said, I can give up the coffee anytime. I just choose not to. Gee, let's place that story in drugs, in alcohol, in gambling, called an addiction. An addiction means it's affecting your life in an adverse way. So whether it's gambling or spending money or drugs or alcohol or whatever it is, when you're doing something and you have trouble stopping and it's adversely affecting your life, that's an addiction. So you can get addicted to coffee. Now, other ad addictions go along with coffee too. Who doesn't immediately think of a warm, frothy, uh, sweet, creamy, sugary drink when they picture a cup of coffee? So the business of coffee has inspired a culture to be addicted to things like sugar, fatty tastes, and what's become more of a meal than a drink. So that morning latte is the classic example of food lacking nutrition, but densely packed with a bunch of calories and junk. So it used to be a cup of coffee. You'd have a cup of joe, and it was black coffee, and that was it. Now we've opened up all these coffee bars around the country, and it's, it's, an, it's an event. When I have a meeting, people say, hey, let's meet for coffee. It used to be, let's meet for drinks. Now it's become, let's meet with coffee. And the black coffee's bad enough, but when you throw all the sugar in there and the creams, now we have other issues. Now there's a chemical called 5-HIAA. Now it's an organic acid, and it's a component of a neurotransmitter that's called serotonin. If you've listened to my shows before, serotonin is the happy neurotransmitter that makes you feel good. And what happens is we're seeing this in urine of people that drink a lot of coffee, and that means it may be lowering the body's ability to produce serotonin. You need this chemical, and if you're peeing it out, you don't have it. And that can lower the synthesis, synthesis the, 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 the making of serotonin in the brain. Serotonin is necessary for normal sleep, for bowel function, for mood, for energy levels. It's a vicious cycle. As caffeine can disrupt sleep and promote anxiety and depression, and now you're doing things that are promoting anxiety and depression and lack of sleep. We all know someone who tends to be tired, wired, and over-caffeinated. Yes? Is that you? Am I talking to you? I might be. So the excretion of these important uh, chemicals, also you're going to see excretion of things like calcium, magnesium, potassium. That's been noted in coffee drinkers. And an imbalance of your electrolyte status can lead to serious systemic or whole system complications. You're peeing out a lot of important nutrients. So the chemicals in coffee can interfere with normal drug metabolism and detoxification in the liver. When you put something in your body, your body has to break it down, and that can make it difficult for normal detoxification process to occur in the liver. Another issue to be aware of with coffee is intake of uh, coffee intake is how it, certain medications are affected. How many people are on thyroid medication, like levothyroxine? Raise your hands. Tricyclic antidepressants. How many people are on antidepressant? Raise your hands. A lot of you are. And that can mean that these, these medications are being poorly absorbed, making symptoms curiously worse 
for patients with coffee intake. Or what if you're constantly drinking coffee, we're measuring your blood levels of thyroid hormone or whatever it is, and we say, okay, you need more medication, you need more medication because your levels are dropping. It's not that you need more medication, it's that the coffee is preventing you from absorbing it or breaking it down in your liver. So it's a big issue. And a lot of people don't realize that food has an effect on medication. So it's a wise experiment. Provide yourself with a break from coffee intake and see how it feels. What's it like to live your life on your own energy, not on artificial stimulants? Remove the coffee and the caffeine safely from your system to see how authentically energized you really are. So those who consume the most caffeine with the alcohol and the sugar and other things that are addicting, it's the highest toxic load and they tend to have the most difficulty coming off the medication or the drug or whatever it is. In any event, the symptoms of withdrawal usually disappear after two to three days. It's best to slowly reduce your caffeine and coffee intake. Going cold turkey is not a good idea. In the first book that I wrote, it's called uh, Eating Right for the Health of It, I have a chapter called Kicking the Habit. And you should buy the book, by the way. It's on the website, drjoe.com. But if you're not going to buy the book, I'll give you a little preview. If you're coming off your coffee, cutting off cold turkey can be really challenging. So what I recommend you do is take a cup of coffee, put it in front of you, black organic coffee. Take one tablespoon every hour. That's going to give you just enough of these chemicals that we're talking about to get the brain to slowly unwind itself and reboot itself. So that's a neat little trick. I've never had anyone have to go more than three or four days to get off the coffee altogether. But if you go cold turkey, you get these headaches, you want to drink coffee again. Just like drugs, just like alcohol. I can quit anytime I want. I just choose not to. If you can say that, and you really can't quit at any time, you've got a serious problem. Whatever that problem is, not just coffee. Sugar. How many people say that with sugar? Other things you want to do when you start coming off your coffee. Take one tablespoon every hour. If you don't have a headache, you feel okay, just skip the next hour. You don't have to take it. It's only there as a, as a parachute. But make sure it's organic and it's black. We don't want sugar and cream. That's going to throw off the whole addiction thing. Make sure you drink at least six to eight glasses of filtered water a day instead of coffee in the morning. What do you do? Try some more warm water with freshly squeezed lemon juice in it. Herbal teas are great. In the winter, I make ginger tea every day. And what I do is I buy organic ginger. I peel it a little bit because I, I wash it and peel it the best I can. Put it in a food processor and fill it about a third with organic lemon juice. And then I puree the heck out of it because ginger can be stringy. And what's left is a puree. I pour it into uh, 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 ice cube trays. And every morning, had it this morning, I take one cube out. You can add stevia to it. If you're okay with honey, you can have some honey with it and drink that every morning. It's going to give you so much energy. It's really warming to the body. Now, ginger is also an aphrodisiac, so be careful. I don't want anybody uh, getting in trouble here drinking ginger here. But ginger has so many benefits. It's anti-inflammatory. So ginger is now medicinal. It has medicine-like effects on your body, but it's actually good for you. So a cup of ginger tea in the morning is going to get your motor running and hopefully get you off that coffee. The best water to drink is water that's been passed through a filtering process. Uh, common and inexpensive filters available out there. You want to avoid plastic bottles, which contain phthalates and bisphenol A, and these are toxic petrochemicals that can affect your hormones. Glass bottles are acceptable. I do all my teas that I take to work with me in stainless steel. Uh, I have something called the Pure Life water filter. I think it's purelifegeorgia.com is, is, is the website. And I have a whole house water filter because I want every drop of water in my house filtered. It's a little expensive at first, but it's well worth it over the time. Because anything I eat or drink, I wash my dishes with it. I wash my clothes with it. I shower. If you bathe, if you have toilet water, I'm assuming everybody has a toilet in your house. 
It can be releasing chemicals like chlorine into the air. Again, it's not a lot. But over time, we're trying to do everything we can to get our body healthy. If you're getting headaches, make sure your bowels are moving properly. If your bowels aren't moving at least once a day, preferably twice a day, we have something on our website, drjoe.com, Dr. Joe's Intestinal Cleanser. And you can take that and get the bowels moving so that you can get these toxins out of the system. Some people rely on substituting coffee with food. When you're hungry, make sure you eat and don't let blood sugar get too low. Because what do you do? I'm so, I'm crashing, I need coffee. Maybe you don't need coffee. Maybe you just need some food in your body. Uh, have some protein in the afternoon. A handful of nuts or seeds is great. Almonds, pecans, walnuts, uh, pistachios, uh, cooked beans are great. In my office drawer, I always have, and in my car, I always have bags of nuts in case I get really hungry. My blood sugar starts to drop. Grab a bag of nuts, you're fine. Taking a hot sauna or a hot bath can help detoxify your body. Um, practice this. Taking a break. I have to do this consciously. My staff sometimes will kick me out of the office. You, get out of here. Because I just got so much going on and I need somebody sometimes to tell me, stop, hit the pause button, relax. Uh, as you're going through withdrawal, that can be very stressful. And research has shown that meditation and mindful activities can help with the overstimulated and stressed out body that's coming off these caffeines. And that can also help boost your immune system as well. Consider a complete elimination program. Avoid all the foods that are addicting, the sugars, the flours, the caffeine, the alcohol, the wheat, the dairy. Uh, these are all addictive substances. And by allowing certain triggers to stay in your diet, the body stays in this vicious cycle of cravings and addiction and cravings and addiction and feeling awful. So reset your biology by eliminating all these dietary triggers that cause inflammation. Every patient that I try to get off their thing that they're addicted to, whatever it is, coffee, drugs, alcohol, I insist they take Dr. Joe's Super Greens and Dr. Joe's Essential Source. These are two supplements, and everybody should be taking these every day. I take them every day. You should too. It's the minimum nutrients that you need every day. And when you're coming off an addiction, many times the brain is so used to being stimulated from an external source, I want to get your brain stimulated from an internal source. So the minimum supplements would be Super Greens and Essential Source every day for everyone, not just an addiction. When I have people that are addicted and I have to try to get them off that, I may have them take it twice a day. Dr. Joe's nitric oxide is very good because it opens up the blood vessels and increases circulation. And another thing I want you to add is B-complex because B vitamins are necessary for nervous system function. And as you start coming off the caffeine, you're not stimulating the body uh, with the caffeine for the nervous system and you're affecting the brain and the adenosine receptor sites. We just talked about that. So you're gonna need B-complex as well. Now, I know this is a difficult goal, but I assure you, that your body and your mind are going to thank you. There's going to be a sense of calm, a sense of clarity, a sense of restful sleep that you're going to be rewarded with. And the simple pleasures of health and energy that you should be having every day are going to come back to your life. And what people do, every patient that comes in, when I do a nutritional consult and my staff does a nutritional consult, we have a dietitian that works with our patients, and they say, oh, I don't know, Dr. Joe, I don't know if I could do this. This is insane. Like, I don't eat meat, of course. I've been a vegan now for decades. And people say, well, Dr. Joe, I can never give up meat. And I said, that's okay. I'm not asking you to give up meat. That's fine. And then a couple of days into it, they're going, you know, Doc, I'm starting to feel really good. Maybe I should give up something else. I gave up my caffeine. I gave up my weed. I gave up my dairy. You know what? I'm going to try only having meat once a day. And then I'll go to every other day. Every patient that's ever given up meat has started with the same statement. There's no way I can ever do this. Every patient has given up coffee or wheat or dairy they all say the same thing. There's no way I'm going to be able to do this. 
And then once you do it, they say the same thing. Why didn't I do this sooner? If you're ready to make an appointment, if you're serious about wanting to get well, I want you to do it right now so you don't forget. Go to the website, drjoe.com. In the Atlanta area, we have offices in Marietta, Duluth, and Stockbridge. We work with most insurance companies, car accidents, sports injuries. The number one least expensive, most effective treatment for pain is chiropractic care. So if you're ready to get well, go to the website, drjoe.com. If you have questions, send them to me through the website. I'm Dr. Joe Esposito. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to For the Health Fit. Remember to subscribe to this podcast, and I'll help you naturally get well and stay well. You can also listen to and call into my radio show live Sunday evenings from 7 to 9 Eastern Time on WSBRadio.com and on a WSB Radio app.